I've been pondering a lot of stuff, as usual. That's what I do, I sit and ponder. (laughs) It's not the only thing I do. I'm not like that guy on the mountain in the cave or anything, but I do think about life a fair bit. Because to me, it's actually pretty important that we have perspective on things that... um, that are around us and so this morning I just there was two sort of messages I wanted to bring which I might bring together just a little bit shorter just to sort of go through what I've been thinking about and I guess for me at this time you know I I just love the way God moves I love what he does in our lives and this morning we'll have our prayer at the end where you know we're inviting you up for elders to come and pray with you or, or Shannon the prayer team um to just feel that touch of God like we did last week. It was really lovely to see last week that, you know, people came forward to just receive something from God. But sometimes I just think a little bit more, I don't know, it's not deeply, maybe it is deeply about things. And you know how our life can sometimes just be like either what Shannon's talking about today where it's just like really, you know, hard and tough and all these sorts of things. Or it can be really great and we're flying like anything. And, you know, when we're in those situations, we tend to think about different things. You know, sometimes when it's hard, we're thinking about how can I get out of this and looking for the help. Sometimes when it's easy, you know, the whole world's wonderful and beautiful. And the same bird that sounds like a crow to the person next door sounds like a, you know, magpie to us because it's the same bird but different song for some reason. And... I started thinking about two things in particular this week that have just been on my heart for a while. Um, One is the length of our life and what really matters Um, and and just want to talk about that for a little bit. The The other is that whole thing of developing friendships and how sometimes we can actually be very jealous of what other people have Um, and James talks about it in terms of like wanting what we don't have and what we're prepared to do for it that that sometimes our heart just goes wrong you know we're looking for something and and just how that can sometimes really affect everybody everything that that when we start to think that way so the first one (laughs) it, it wasn't morbid by the way thinking about death I was just pondering on a young man that that we knew and when he was young-ish, pretty young actually. His dad died, uh, his heart failed on him and he died in his 40s and so his life got cut short and it's a bit like had he lived a good life, you know, everyone was sad, we had our funeral. It was an amazing funeral and this young man, I remember him being at the front and his name was Nathan Green and he was singing the song, I Can Sing of Your Love Forever. Lovely, beautiful song. And it went on and on, but it didn't go on and on. Do you know what I mean? It was like, it was like the Spirit of God just captured something in the people's hearts at the service. And, and the song just somehow came alive and, and got a life of its own. And not long ago, maybe a month ago, that young man died in his 40s as well. So his heart gave out and he died. And, and the reports that you hear back about him were so incredible. He was a beautiful dad. 
You know, he was involved in his church and he was actually doing preaching. People loved his messages. They, they thought he did well in the, you know, the worship side of things and, and things were good. And it seems such a shame, right? Doesn't it? seems a shame to me that, that someone could be cut so short in the middle of their prime, you know, before they've really had the chance to live their full life. But then I started pondering, is that what fullness of life is? Is, is? is the fullness of our life actually how wide it is, how long it is, how long we live? Or is it how heavy it is, the impact that we make? Is it more about the things that we do that are valuable, that make our life full and complete, rather than the days, the number of days that we live. Because, you know, we could live for a very long time and never live at all. We could live many, many years and have zero impact on the people and the world around us and, and literally no surrender to Christ and never lived in the fullness of the life that God really has for us, the, the fullness that Jesus talked about when he said, you know, I've come to give you life and life in all its fullness. Is that something we've missed out on because we're too busy doing things our own way or without God? So there's two verses that, that I thought about for this. So James 4.14 was the first one. How do you know what your life will be tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, then it's gone. Now, that's in relation to people saying, you know, this is what I'm going to do this day. I'm going to go to this city. I'm going to do that. And, and yet, we're urged to actually go, if God wants me to. If God wants me to, I'm going to do this. If God wants me to, I'm going to go and live there. If God wants me to, like, God willing, that it's not wrong to have those plans in our lives, but to, to remember that the life that we have here on earth is very, very short. I'm not trying to be a downer on anyone. What I'm trying to sort of put across is this, that exactly what the Bible says, your life is like a fog. It's a morning mist. It's here. It's gone. When the sun comes up, your life is gone. And I wonder how many of us really realise that until it's too late. How many people have seen their kids grow up and go, you were just born yesterday. What do you mean you're a teenager? What do you mean you've got kids? Where have you gone? What did I do? How did I invest? What have I done with my life? How many husbands or wives that, you know, as the door's slamming and they're, they're fighting and, and they break up and the husband's going, but I did it all for you. I worked all these long hours. I did this, I did that. I didn't spend any time with you, but it was all for you. How many of us are maybe even this, that when we face our creator, that it's like this, God... What do you mean? The sheep and the goat story that Jesus told. What have you done for me? Where's the kindness you've shown? Where's the love you've given out? What have you done for me? Where is it? Life is so short. 
And so for us as Christians, we are urged to live a different way, to not think about life just as this, I guess, eternal thing, but it is eternal life when we believe in Jesus Christ, but our life on earth is so quick. It, it runs away so quickly. And to me, I was thinking about it, that you know what would be really, really bad is if I died tomorrow and I didn't have a chance to have regrets. Now, I, don't, I know that sounds really weird, but I'm like, what, what if I came to the end of my life and I never woke up? What if I'd never realised that the things I did weren't working and, and I didn't have the chance to go, I regret that I acted that way and now I'm changing? What if all I had was the life I have lived with no chance for regret, to look back and say, I need a change. I need to live for God. I need to, I need to regret something. Because in that regret, the sorrow, the godly sorrow, I can change. I can become the person that God wants me to be. I can become the father or mother I want to be. I can become the friend that I know I should have been. I can be that person that is kind to strangers that I know I should have been. But my life being snuffed out leaves me with no chance to regret anything. And to me, I was like, I, I would hate that my life would be like that. Yet I'm sure there are parts in my life that, that are like that. I mean, even Jesus in Isaiah, it says that Jesus' life was cut short midstream. What if Jesus had put his father's will aside and not done what the father wanted to do, which was to let him be the sacrifice for our sin? What if Jesus had been cut short midstream? Now, I do believe that God wants us to have a long life, a life that is satisfying. There's no doubt about it. But, but I really think it is sometimes good for us to actually ponder on these things, to think about them. Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 17 says this, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And in the New King James, it says, redeeming the time, in verse 16, because the days are evil. What does that mean? Redeeming the time means that, and when you read through that whole passage, it talks about the way you used to live. You know, drunken parties, wild living, sexual pleasures, lying, cheating, stealing, whatever it might be. But it's as though we have to grab hold of the time that we have, but even get more time, redeem the time, take, take the opportunity to buy back what was lost so that we can actually now live for God. So it says there, live wisely, knowing what God wants you to do. And that doesn't just mean, you know, what ministry you have to do, but how does God want you to act? What does he want you to do? The opportunity to do good, how often have you let it pass you by? That's called redeeming the time. The person that you could have stopped for to help. The person that needed a meal and you knew they needed a meal, yet you didn't go around there. The person who needed some encouragement, 
but you didn't encourage them because the time that you had was spent doing the things that didn't matter. Redeeming the time, being wise. We are people who are called by God, called by his name, and we're called to his purpose to live out his life here on earth for his glory. And what a great opportunity that is for us to do that, to live for him. And how God wants us to live is this. To owe no person anything except this one thing, to love them. There's no greater love, Jesus said, than for a person to lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus' prayer was for unity, that that we would be one as he and his Father were one. Yet how much time have we used to try and work out who has the power in a relationship? Who is the one who should be in control? Who is the one who should set the terms? Who is the one that should have their way? Who is the one that should live selfishly? And this call and this struggle to to gain control, to, to gain the upper hand, to be the one who's right and not wrong. And yet, Yet Jesus is saying, I don't want you to live that way. I want you to experience something so beautiful, so powerful that it will transform your life, that I want you guys to love each other so much that you could live in unity. Not that you could struggle against each other, not that you should try and gain the power, the upper hand, whatever it might be, but that you would redeem the time. And instead of wasting time fighting and quarreling and being angry at each other, the peace of God could come into your life, into your family, into your relationships, into the world around you. And unity would flow. How much time do we waste? And I don't mean by watching TV and stuff like that. I mean because we're just so busily consumed plotting revenge rather than looking for ways to love people. They were thinking of ways that we can get justice for our wrongs rather than looking to bring justice to another person around us? Is the weight of your life that at the end of it, you got your justice, you got your control, you got your power and you got your way? Oh, what little impact that has on eternity. What little impact that has on relationships of no use and no value to the kingdom of God at all. So that's my first happy thought. (laughs) The second one is on friendship. And I'm actually starting with another verse in James. James 4, 1 and 2. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, 
but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Did you know that friendship is something that develops over time? I was thinking about it like, you know, we'll sometimes watch MasterChef and other cooking shows and they're made of sauce and, you know, they're saying, you know, look at this sauce, it's delicious. I don't know how you got it so delicious because it didn't have time to develop the flavours. It didn't have time to develop the layers, whatever they might be. To me, it's just yum, eat. <laughs> but there was something that happens to develop a better flavour. And I want you to think about that in terms of your friendships because I really believe that it's so important and we've talked about this before, how I said that you know, people used to have, I think it was eight friends, now they've got three and a lot of people have none. But what can happen sometimes is that we walk together to develop friendships, right? I think about the people that I know that are the best friends. They might have been through a significant event together. It might have been war, it might have been a flood, it might have been bushfires and, and they talk about how the community came together. It might even just be Survivor or MasterChef and the people are there together, living together, helping one another and, and through that experience you always hear this, we have developed lifelong friends. Why is that? Adversity will bring us together. Working together will bring us together. Being together will bring us together. It's funny how we sometimes want what we don't have so badly that we decide that that's going to be a point of division. And I have certainly seen in churches over time where people will come to a church and they look at the people that are there that they will say, they're not very friendly, they're a clique. Maybe true, we shouldn't be that at all. There should always be a seed at our table of friendship. But sometimes what happens is there's this developing tendency that we have that, that seems to be in this world today that I can't start on the bottom floor. I need to be in the penthouse today. I look at people with friendships in a church, wherever it might be, it would be when I was at, in footy club, you could see the people that had developed friendships and played together over a long time. And you look and you're like, look at them. Why aren't they friends with me? They should be my friends. <laughs> Sounds really petty, right? But isn't the way that people think sometimes? Sometimes you get people say, you know, there's the us and the them, but who creates that us and them? Is it the them or the us that creates it? It's an interesting thought. You see, with friendship sometimes, we will look upon others and look and see what they've got and we're like, I need friendships like that. And how our tendency is to be like this, well, I am jealous of what you have. I'm willing to do anything to destroy that. I'm willing to create division. I'm willing to say that, you know, they're not friendly. I'm willing to say that there's clicks, there's this, there's that, there's the other, whatever it might be. But little or no effort has gone into developing friendship. And it's like we look on other people and we're like, look at them, they're all friends. 
I want that. Not understanding that, that these people have journeyed and travelled together through many things. You might see the music team, for example, and you're like, look at them. They're so friendly. I should be their friend. I'm jealous of that. I want that. And we can start to develop a heart that is hard towards other people and insulate ourselves. What do I mean by that? We want the cake without mixing the ingredients. We want the whole thing without putting in any effort. We want to be part of something, yet refuse to attach ourselves to it. Think about the music team, for example. This is just not because this is what's happened, by the way. But I look at them. Perhaps you come on a Sunday morning and you're like, wow, look at those guys, they're all friends, they never speak to me. What, can I just ask you firstly, what makes them a better friend to have than the six other people sitting next to you in the congregation that are also lonely? What makes it more important to be friends with these guys? Or leaders? Or anyone you see than the person sitting next to you? You tell me. It's because of the development of us and them that we have in our own hearts that we have bought into this whole thing of hierarchy in the world, really, that, you know, somebody is more important than someone else. And my friendship with the more important person is more important than my friendship with the less important person. But this is developed. These guys come on a Thursday night, most weeks, and practice together. They'll pick songs together. They'll pray together. They come at 8 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday and, and they set up and they, they try and bring us the best praise and worship they can and then they pack up. And sometimes people would sit down there and go, oh, they're not very friendly. <laughs> come on. Do you know what I mean? Like, we sometimes don't see the truth because we're so blinded by our own selfishness. If you wanted to be friends with the music team, now we'll see who that is next week because I'm going to say something. Do you know what you could do? Hey, Matt, do you need some help packing up? Yeah. <laughs> do you get it? Come to the worship night. But, but this is true, right? And I think for Christians, this is how we should be developing. We should be developing friendships. We should be doing things together. Or you might look at a group that's a connect group and they've been meeting for five years and you're like, oh, they're, oh, they're a clicky. No, they're just friends. Get your own friends. But in a nice way. <laughs> they might be your friends. Join their connect group. Walk with them. Start to journey with them. There's a, there's a proverb that, that says this. The seeds of good deeds become a tree of life. A wise person wins friends. What's that mean? It means that when you actually begin to be that person that looks out for other people, you become a friend, right? Can I just ask you this? When you do a good deed for someone, what they think of you? And it's, not, it's not a very tricky question. 
and we should all be doing it for one another. But it brings a couple of things. Number one, it shows that you care. Number two, it actually brings connection straight away. It's like, that person was nice to me. I can relate. There's a door that begins to open. And if you have no friends, the question firstly is, how friendly are you? What are you doing to develop the friendships around you? What are you doing to sow the seeds of friendship in people's lives? There's a, there's a little saying that I just love around this, and it's written by a guy called Seneca, who was a Stoic. But I want you to think about this. Can we put that up? Fortune has robbed us of one friend. I'll explain that in a minute, just in case it's hard to understand. But we have robbed ourselves of every friend who we have failed to make. Yeah, I think that's pretty deep. What it was saying was, if one of your friends dies, fortune or, or, or the way things are might have robbed you of a friend. But there are so many people that are sitting next to you that you might think that they're not worthy of your friendship that you've robbed yourself of. And that's why I love it. It goes to the very heart of our own attitude towards this, towards friendship. Are we open to friendship? Are we a closed book? And that is why when, when we were talking about, you know, the progressive dinner next week, it was like, guys, we have to. <laughs> Something. Two weeks, I don't know, whatever. Whenever it is, <laughs> it's progressing. <laughs> but when that's on, it's like this. Are you prepared to make an investment into friendship? Are you prepared to, as a church, in so many different areas, go, you know what? I want this to be more than just a place I come on a Sunday. I need to develop something here. Relationships, because friends are so powerful in our lives. When we need someone to talk to, when we need someone to help, and you know, the Bible says that you know, a friend loves at all times and a brother is made for adversity. What does that mean? It means that when you have someone who's your friend, they love you no matter what, it's powerful. And when you're going through a hard time, they stand with you. And the Bible's very clear on that, that two is better than one. Two is better than one. If one falls, the other can lift them up. If one's cold, they can give them warmth. It's such a beautiful thing to develop. So there you go. Some things to think about this week. Number one, as you walk through this week, have you just spent and wasted your time arguing and fighting rather than loving your family and the people around you? What's so much more important than living out God's life here on earth? What's so much more important than listening to his spirit? Are you using your life to make impact? To encourage and grow people? Are you going to get to the end of your life 
and wish that you'd regretted something because nothing ever changed. Come on, Matt. Come on, worship team. Let's worship God. It may be this morning that you're here and you've never, ever given your heart to God in the first place. Let me tell you right now, your life is short. There's only one, one day of salvation. And the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Can I just encourage you, don't put it off any longer. Don't, don't resist God any longer, but make today the day that you say, God, come into my life. I'm just going to pray and give you the opportunity to pray with me and just ask him in. And if you have come with someone else afterwards, go and see them and say, I prayed with that guy at the front or the family you're with. Or if you don't have anyone, please come up the front and we'll be here after the service, even finished officially. And we can just pray with you and we can invite God into your life. You need to have him. It's the only way to be restored is by believing in the son, Jesus Christ, who died for your sin and rose again so that you could live again. There is no other way to salvation apart from him. And so today is a day that you should and you must accept him into your life. In all seriousness, you might not be here tomorrow. Who knows? And if you know that there's this tug on your heart right now to say, I really need to give my life to him, why delay any longer? Take the opportunity now as we pray to invite him into your life. Let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you for your goodness. And today, I just want to give my life to you. I ask that you forgive me of my sin. I want to turn around from how I've been living away from you. Set me free today that from this day on I might live for you. I thank you that Jesus died and rose again for me and I want that new life. I surrender to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you want my prayer for something else and the elders or Shannon will see you up here at the front and they'll come and pray with you or I'll pray if there's some need to do that but guys I really want you as you're worshipping at the end here with this song just really consider your life consider it well consider it well